my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you caught up on your history of what happened in the 1500s with the separation of church and state and the battle went down? Well, you might know about the story when the 95 Thesis was put under the church door, but do you understand how it was technology that forced that change? And more importantly, how does understanding that story reflect and tell us, maybe highlight and show us exactly what is happening today when it comes to the terms of not just our information today, but as well as our finances and our money? We're going to break down what happened in the past 1500, so we can understand the rhymes of history and how it's repeating, how we can see the same things playing out, how that leads into what's happening in the world today, and more importantly, what we can do to counteract these changes so we can still win, even as things are devolving, and then eventually where this all leads. It's going to be an amazing conversation, one that I've talked about before in different bits and pieces, but I haven't put it all together, so let's just jump into it. If you're just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, I like to talk about the way the world is changing as we look at it through the lens of politics finance, and technology. So today we're going to be talking about finance and technology. Um, Not really so much politics, mostly finance and technology. And we're going to be use history as our guide. I love history because, you know, there's the saying, those who don't understand history are bound to repeat it. And I know that a lot of times we hear these cliches so often that we start to overlook them, but it's true. 
So for example, if I had touched a hot stove and burned my hand, that was in the past, that was history. Well, I would know that if I touch that hot stove again, the same outcome is most likely to happen. I'll probably burn my hand again. And so when we look through history, it's not that the exact same things happen. That's why it doesn't repeat it rhymes. It's the rhyme. And the reason why is when you understand the mechanics of how that worked. What are the cause and effects that that transpired? So it's not going to happen the exact same way. So for example, I touched the hot stove before and I burned my hand. Next time I bumped into the hot stove with my arm and I burn my arm, right? The cause and effect, you touch something hot, you get a burn is real. Whether I burn my hand or my arm changes. That makes sense? And so when we look at history, we want to understand the cause and effect so we can understand what happens. And let's dig into that. So let's go back in time. Now, I would say I've broken this down many times that on a 250 year time frame, we have a pendulum. The world swings back and forth on a 250-year time frame. Now, there's lots of cycles. There's um, lots of cycles. Let's just jump to the 84-year cycle. It's been popularized by the book, The Fourth Turning. This talks about 80-year cycles. Really, it breaks down to about an 84-year cycle. It's not exact. Um, and they're like seasons. And about every 84 years, we sort of have this fourth turning generational theory. But we also have what's called like a populist uprising or a regime change about every 80 years, 84 years. So 80 years ago was the end of World War II. We saw, you know, Hitler, Mussolini, you know, FDR's New Deal in the United States. About 84 years before that, we had um, Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, uh, led to the largest year. Uh, revolution that we saw in European history. About 84 years before that was the American and the French Revolution. Now, if you know much about cycles or charts, the third time is the big strong one. So three times 84 equals 250, 252 to be exact. And that puts us 250 year cycle, which basically is like a pendulum swinging back and forth to centralization and decentralization. So right now you could argue we are at peak centralization. 250 years ago, you could argue we are at peak decentralization. We set up a decentralized government in the United States, a republic. Now, 250 years before that brings us back to 1500 when we were at peak centralization. You're tracking with me here. Now, what was going on in the 1500s that led to peak centralization? Well, it was technology that really got us there, but we're not going to go further back than that. But at that time, the church and the state ruled everything, right? So uh, the Catholic Church and the government were working together to enforce their will. Now, just like any government organization, just like any central planned government, they have to control the flow of information. They have to control the narrative. They have to tell you the story they want you to believe so that they can maintain power. They can maintain that, that power and control over you. If you start to see a different viewpoint, then they'll lose their power, which is why you see like in China, for example, they've had the, the Great Firewall where they haven't allowed Western Internet to get into their country. So, you know, they don't have Google or Amazon or Facebook. They have their own versions of those things that they can control because they don't want their people in China to be influenced by Western ideology. Now, I don't think that's a good thing. I think we should all be free to have information and we can make up our own minds. Unfortunately, what I'm seeing today is in Europe and the United States, they're going down the same path. Europe is fast tracking having their own um, great firewall up, if you will. It, it, at the rate Europe is on right now, their internet could probably even be, <laughs> dare I say, more restrictive than what China's is. It's insane to think like that. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but basically controlling the flow of information, more importantly, like I said, controlling the narrative is always the key. Now, going back to this point, the church and the state had that power, that control, they had the narrative, and 
they told the people what to believe when it came to religion. Um, the people didn't have access to the Bible. They couldn't hear directly. So you could only come to the church. You had to believe what they told you. And the only way to get to God was through the church. Very central. It was a central point. But technology changed that. About 70 years previous, we had the invention of a new technology, and it had been around longer, but it sort of hit mass production of the printing press. And the printing press then allowed uh, the first thing that was printed were Bibles. People started getting the Bibles, they started reading the information, and they said, wait a minute, uh, this isn't what we've been told our whole life. Um, this isn't true. We don't have to go through the church to get to God. We can have our own direct path. Now, anybody that read that, anybody that talked about it, spread that information, was labeled a heretic. It was called heresy, and they were put to death. Uh, I don't know the stats. I'm guessing hundreds of thousands, potentially maybe millions of people were probably killed over this, but it didn't matter. Once that information got out, then it spread. It spread like a virus. The information got out because humans want truth. We want information. And so it spread. And no matter what they could do, they couldn't stop it. And eventually, the monopoly that the church and state held over knowledge came apart. All right. Now, what does that story have anything to do with today? Well, uh, there's a lot of parallels today, but specifically, I want to talk about it in regards to the financial system. I like to say on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, um, if you're not checking out Mark Moss, you should check me out over there. I, I use a lot of charts and graphs and things like I can't do on the radio and podcast. It's a lot more visual. Um, but I, I start out my show by saying, trying to change the way you think about money because almost everything you've learned is wrong. Because what we've learned is wrong. The central power that controls the world today has intentionally withheld information from us in regards to finance and money, as well as they've misled us. Now, about 100 years ago, Henry Ford, the father of the automobile and mass production, said that if the American people knew how the banking system worked, there'd be a revolution before the morning. I've used that quote before, you probably heard it, but let's just break that down. What does that mean? So if they knew how the banking system worked, really how the money system worked is what he's saying. And more importantly, the banks creating money, issuing money, controlling the price of money. That's what he's talking about. And then he goes on to say that uh, there would be a revolution before the morning. It wouldn't be a revolution next week. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be a revolution coming, not next year, not next week, not vote them out in four years from now. No, before the morning. They wouldn't even go to bed. They'd go do it right now. That's how upset people would be. I remember years ago when my daughter was much younger, how old was she? Maybe eight or nine years old. And we were driving down the freeway and I was kind of explaining to her how the banking system worked and um, how, you know, the, basically the Fed, Federal Reserve just prints money, which then devalues, steals the value from our money that we still have in our bank account. And I kind of broke this down to her in a very simple way that she could understand. And she kind of looked at me puzzled and she said, why do people put up with this? Why do they allow it? And that was the mind of like an eight or nine-year-old, however she old was at that time. But it's exactly what Henry Ford was saying. Now, how are they able to do this, and how does this relate back to the story? Well, today's finance is very similar. Like I said, they don't teach us these things. They don't allow us access to this information. So I want to break down what financial literacy looks like country by country, I want to look at some of the stats that we can see inside the United States, and it is very, very scary. We're going to talk about ways that we can sort of counteract this, uh, ways that it's being counteracted now, just like the technology of the printing press broke that monopoly, and how technology today is breaking that monopoly, how you and I have a chance to front run that, both on our education side and our, our, our money side, and a whole lot more. So I'm going to take a very quick break. You don't want to miss it. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. 
Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how history from 500 years ago is rhyming today and how the church and the state tried to control, just like any central power, central government does, had to control the flow of information, had to control the narrative in order to control their uh, or keep their place of power and control. And it was technology that broke the gap. The gap. Now, like I said, today we're seeing the same thing. Back then, it was the church and state that wanted its members to remain um, actually illiterate. They didn't want them to learn how to read, and they wanted they wanted them to stay illiterate so the state could protect its monopoly on um, information. Right? They had to protect their monopoly on knowledge via the scriptorium. So the scriptorium was how they would transfer that knowledge from generation to generation. But again, it was technology, the printing press, that broke that. And the, and the church's monopoly, and, and, and uh, it was broken. And today we're seeing the same thing, where the central planners, the government, want its people, its members, to remain illiterate as well. They want to protect their monopoly on money printing and on financial policy so it doesn't happen. If they're able to break that, then we could break the multi-century monopoly on money. All right, so let's just break down some of this a little bit here for you. So what, what are we talking about here exactly? 
Well, as I said, it's always technology to change things, but let's just start with what are we seeing in terms of education around finance? So what we might call financial literacy, the, the knowledge and understanding of key financial skills. So some of these skills that you should probably have is like budgeting and saving, investing, retirement planning, um, things like that. The ability to put them to use you know, in your life, in your affairs, and, and things like that. But let's break that down a little bit. So budgeting. Great, sure. We should live on less than we um, we should we we should consume less than we produce. We should live on less than we've created or produced, right? So, if I make a thousand dollars, I should live on less than a thousand dollars so I can save. Okay, look, that's budgeting one hundred and one. That's saving. I get it. Like I told you that you understand the importance of it. Cool. We should understand uh, investing. Okay, so I need a way to put that difference, that, that money that I've saved, and I need a way for me to put it somewhere so it grows, so it's more in the future, retirement planning, so investing retirement planning is sort of the same thing. First of all, let me, let me break this down into another comparison. So there's no shortage of diet plans out there. Right. We just uh, here we are. We just entered the, the second month of the year at the first of the year. Everybody starts their New Year's resolutions. Everybody wants to get in shape. And probably a lot of people listening to this and certainly a lot of people around the world think about getting in shape. And so what diet should I start? Should I do a ketogenic diet? Should I do the Atkins diet? Uh, should I just count my calories and try and eat less? Or, or whatever, right? And there's, like I said, there's no shortage of diets. There's always a new diet fad that comes out. You have Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and all these different things that can help you with a diet, all right? Sort of like all these different things you can do for investing and budgeting and saving and retirement planning. But here's the thing. If all you did was eat real food, real food being food that was either was living or is living, so animals and plants, right? Um, if all you did was eat real food, stuff that was living or is living, stuff that's not processed, you can't overeat. So if all you ate was uh, organic, chemical-free, <laughs> hormone-free, uh, let's say steak, cows, and uh, chickens, and then you ate some vegetables, you ate broccoli and, and green beans, you wouldn't overeat. If you stayed away from processed foods, if you stayed away from the sugary foods, if you stayed away from high-carb foods, if you stayed away from stuff that comes in a box, if you stayed away from stuff that has a label on it. I remember a long time ago I listened to an interview and, and they, they were talking with a dietitian and they said, um, when I'm looking at a label, um, what, what am I looking at? Like, what should I be avoiding and, and looking for? And they said, if it has a label, don't eat it. Right? So if you think about it, like steak and chicken doesn't have a label on it. It's just steak or chicken. Right? Broccoli doesn't have a label on it. It's just broccoli. All right. So um, if you if you stuck with that, you wouldn't have to you wouldn't you wouldn't overeat and then you wouldn't need all the diets. So what am I saying here? All of these diets, all these new fads and diets that pop up all the time are designed to help you manage the fiat food system we have. It's all designed to help you manage eating fake food. If you ate real food, you wouldn't need that. OK, now what what am I talking about here? How does this relate to uh, money? Well, as you're probably aware by now, the government's role, the Federal Reserve and central banks around the world, their goal, their stated goal, they tell you all the time right now, they're trying to get inflation back down to what? 2%. So their goal is to steal, through inflation, 2% of your wealth per year, 10% every five years. That's their goal. Now, it's been running way too hot, and that's, of course, that's their fake goal. Uh, they said it was at 9% at one point. It was probably closer to 25 
It's now supposedly down to in the threes, but it's probably closer to 10, right? But that's their goal, 2%. So think about this. You're not able to just go be the best heart surgeon or brain surgeon or rocket scientist or contractor coach, whatever you are. You're not able to do that and then go save your money because they're causing inflation through printing money. They're stealing the value of your wealth. Because of that, because your money is buying you less goods and services in the future instead of more, you're now forced to become an investor. Just like if you eat fake processed food, you're forced to now come up with start counting calories and do some diet fads. If you're in an inflationary monetary system, you're forced to go be an investor. If I had a sound money system, if I had a way to store my wealth in a way that couldn't be debased, that the value couldn't be stolen from me in a way that my money bought me more goods and services in the future instead of less, I wouldn't have to learn about investing and retirement planning. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that now, instead of being a half, whatever, rocket scientist and a half or a half a radio host at this point uh, and, and, and then half investor, because if I'm focused on both, I'm not going to be very good at either, right? So instead of having to focus on both, I could just be the best whatever professional I am. And I could really start to work on that and excel at my craft, which is a net gain for the economy and for the world overall, because I wouldn't have to worry about investing. Now, some of you might be going, well, that's why I don't worry about investing. I just give my money to somebody else to invest for me. Sure. So then we've built this entire Wall Street complex to help you invest your money, um, sort of like we built this entire diet food and diet complex to help you eat fake processed food. But we wouldn't need that if we ate real food, and we wouldn't need the investment uh, community or, or economy if we just had sound money. All right. So that's the first thing. If we understood how the banking system works. So what, what we're being told is that sure in high school, we're going to teach you financial literacy. We're going to teach you, uh, about budgeting, saving, investing, and retirement planning. But of course they don't. All right. Now what we can see just based off of that. So that was a little bit of a tangent to sort of break that down. When we look at what they teach for financial literacy around the world, we can see that Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, supposedly, per the information, are the best of the best of the best. The United States, unfortunately, I think is ranked 24 out of 36, which is pretty interesting. Now, why is that? And does that really tell us what we want to see? As a matter of fact, in the United States, there are people who are actually against giving financial education out. They think that it actually could do more harm than good. I want to tell you what they're talking about. We're going to break that down in a minute. And then I want to break to you some mind-breaking, mind-blowing stats of what the education system is happening. And then we'll talk about how technology changes this and fixes this. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show talking about how history's rhyming and we're seeing it play out right now. I got to take a very quick break, but I'll be right back. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. 
It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how history is rhyming. We're always seeing it rhyming. I talk about cycles a lot. And we're talking about how 500 years ago, uh, with the separation of the church and state, when the printing press brought Bibles out, um, how that is rhyming today. And we're talking about it on, from a financial lens. All right. Now, uh, before the break, I was making the case that um, financial literacy and the way that we look at it through education is is false in the first place. Just as false it is to have uh, diet training. If you just ate real food, you wouldn't have to worry about it. And same with our financial education of learning how to invest is like, I wouldn't need to do that if my money just held its value. But let's table that for a minute and let's go back to how well are we even doing in financial education? I remember couple of years ago, I was working with, uh, with my church and I was helping in the high school ministry. And I remember we went on a trip, a road trip up North and I was driving a van with a bunch of kids and I had a, another, uh, adult with me in the van and she was a school teacher. And, you know, of course I'm going to engage and we're going to talk about school. And we're going to talk, talk about education, and all these things. Of course, I'm going to have that conversation and we're talking, talking, talking. And, um, she made a statement which a lot of people do. We, we just make these statements because it's things that we've heard our whole lives, but we don't, we've never really taken the time to stop and think about what we're even saying. And um, she said, but everybody needs an education, don't we? I think at the time we were talking about um, college specifically. I'm not a fan of, of college education. And uh, she just made the statement, but Mark, everybody needs education. And I said, I agree. Everybody needs education. I said to the teacher, what do they need to be educated in? She couldn't answer the question. She had never taken the time to even think through what does a good adult, a well-functioning, successful adult um, look like, and what are the things we would teach them in order for them to become that person? She had never even thought about that. She couldn't answer the question. Without blinking, I said, well, I can tell you what I think they should learn. See, I'm a big proponent of education. I'm not a big proponent of what the school system teaches you as education. So I said, sure, here's what they should learn. They should learn 
that uh, we get paid for the value we provide. We should learn how to create value by offering goods and services the market wants. We should learn that free markets work by everybody win-win relationships. We should learn um, communication skills. We should learn how to get along better. We should learn how to uh, win friends and influence people. The book that uh, changed my life. Uh, shout out, you should read that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. We should learn how to uh, win friends and influence people. We should learn how to influence people through our communication skills. We should learn sales and marketing skills, right? We should learn time management skills. We should learn how to manage our time, cut out um, distractions. We should learn obviously all types about health, not how to manage a fake diet, a, a processed food diet. We should learn about real health, um, not just, uh, you know, what food we should eat, but but gut health and how the body works and how, um, you know, physical fitness and all those types of things. Anyway, I'm not going to go on, but I could list a whole bunch of things that we should learn. But let's go back to um, this. So schools should be teaching this, but are they? So let's take a look at some of these stats that, that blew my mind when I looked at this. Now, I'm going to single out, as I already said, the United States is way down in the bottom, uh, I think, bottom third or bottom 25% of the world on financial literacy. But let's look at a couple instances in the United States, for example. Now, um, well, go back to the argument. So I didn't, I didn't finish that. So um, there's some people in the education system in the U.S. that thinks that we should not be teaching financial education materials. And the reason why they say that is because they believe that it would make students overconfident in their financial decisions, and that would result in consumers making foolish mistakes. Think about that. That is real. Think about how insane that argument is. Nope, 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 nope. We don't, we don't want to teach them anything because then they could be too overconfident and they could make mistakes. Think about that for a sec. I mean, like, so uh, we shouldn't teach uh, high school students anything about health, because if we teach them about health, they're going to be overconfident and they're not going to care about their health. Like what? I mean, we shouldn't teach people how to swim because if we teach people how to swim, they could be overconfident and get in the water and drowned. So we should not teach them how to swim. I mean, it's just insane. This is the, the mental gymnastics that these teachers have. But let's, let's dig into some facts here. In the city of Baltimore, in, in Maryland, really it's the state, and I'm going to single out Baltimore. It's, it's the, the big city there. And it's horrible. 23 Baltimore schools have zero students that are proficient in math. That's per the state test results. Zero, as in not one single one, not even one. Tw out of 23 schools, not one single student is proficient in math. Now, we're not even talking about the, fi <laughs> the financial subjects. Like, if you can't even do math, if you can't even be proficient in math, how are you ever going to figure out compound interest for retirement planning, right? So there's, they're talking about retirement planning, so investing, things like that. How are you ever going to figure out how to invest if you can't even read a balance sheet because you're not even proficient in math? One of the big misconceptions about investing, and I'm, I'm, hopefully none of you are, are dealing with this, but investing is not gambling. When you're investing, you're buying a business, you're buying a company. So you should be able to look at that business and see if it's a good business or not. I should be able to look at their revenues and their profits and their balance sheets and projections and things like that. But if you don't understand basic math, if you're not proficient math, how can you ever do that? So anyway, we're a long way from teaching people about money. We haven't even got them proficient in math. Now, 7% of students, oh, there was just... Out, out of all the schools in Baltimore, only 7% of the students were proficient. So there's 23 that had not even one student proficient. But out of all of the schools, only 7% of the students were proficient in math. 
In Chicago, another big city, 55 schools reported no proficiency in math either. 55. Not one single student, and it's worse. Not just, they were, they were not proficient in math, they were not proficient in reading either. 55 schools, not one single student proficient in math or reading. So how the heck are you going to learn how to balance a budget or invest into a company or plan for your retirement if you can't do math or read? <laughs> now, uh, sure, before you didn't know math, so you couldn't do the math on the company's balance sheet, but now you can't even read the balance sheet. That's a, that's a big problem. Now that's Chicago and Mark, that's a, that's, that's cherry picking data. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there's other places in, in, in Illinois that are good. Okay. So statewide, there were 53 schools that reported no students who were proficient in math. Um, there were another 30 schools reported zero students who were able to read at grade level. I mean, is that insane or what? So it's not that we're just not giving them financial literacy. We're not teaching them about money at all. But here's where we pivot on this. I know this sounds bad. But remember, the state wants citizens to remain illiterate. So 500 years ago, the church and state wanted you to remain illiterate so you couldn't read the Bible for yourself. Just let us tell you what it says. Today, the states want citizens to remain financially illiterate for the same reason, the same principal reason. They want you to remain illiterate so you can stay a servant, a serf of the state. More importantly, they can protect their monopoly on money through the central bank, right? For the church, it was to protect its monopoly on knowledge. Today, for the state, it's to control its monopoly on money and money printing. They can't have you becoming successful and not being dependent on the state, nor can they have you understanding how money works so you don't continue to buy into the system. You see, we can just opt out. I have. I just pull my money out of the bank. I don't use their money. You know, other countries where you see money failing all the time in, in Argentina, Argentina, for example, or Venezuela or Lebanon, they don't use that nation's money. They use the dollar instead. And we don't have to use our state's money if we were smart enough to know that. And that's what they don't want to happen. However, again, we have the internet. This is, again, technology changes everything. So just like 70 years before the printing press brought information to the forefront, today, well, about 30 years ago, we had sort of the explosion of the internet. And now that's changing people's minds. We'll talk about that in a minute. Obviously, you're listening to me probably over the internet. We're going to talk about exactly how that's changing things and how we can use this technology not just to get ahead, not just to protect ourselves, uh, our families, our loved ones, and, and, and maybe change the world, uh, but how this relates to our money and then uh, where this and how this plays out, how we should get, uh, get positioned for all this. I'll be back with more on that in a minute. I got to take a very quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. 
It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about how 500 years ago, the history from 500 years ago is literally repeating again right now. We talked about how the church and the state controlled, well, any government for that matter, any central power is going to try to control their power through controlling the narrative. They have to tell the story. They can't have people thinking different things. Now, this is sinister, let's say that, right? So when it's somebody trying to uh, hold you down by lying to you, gaslighting you, withholding information from you for uh, bad purposes. That, that's that's bad. I, I'm not for that, right? That's sinister. However, I think it is important that there's information. It, it's, it's a very t- it's a very touchy subject. I think like when you think about the United States, uh, for example, like we used to have a shared set of values, and as those values have broken apart, it's much harder for this central government to stay together. It's a little bit of a tangent here, but one thing that I've often thought about is that, you know, when I grew up as a kid and probably a lot of you listening, we all listened to the same music. We listened, you know, we watched the same movies. We wore the same clothes, right? Because there wasn't that much selection, right? We had the nightly news, three channels on TV. Um, I remember, um, you know, like I said, the same movies, we all did the same things. And so because we all watched and read the same things, we all wore the same things, we did the same things, more or less, um, we all basically had these shared circumstances and experiences that sort of made us all similar. You could almost be friends with anybody. Oh, did you see that movie? Did you listen to that music? And so we were all being shaped by the same culture. What the internet did, back to technology changing things, the internet has allowed all of those things to splinter into a million pieces. No longer do we all listen to the same music anymore. As a matter of fact, you know, I used to buy, uh, well, I used to buy cassette tapes and then CDs. I'm old. Not vinyl, I'm not that old, but uh, I, I did buy cassette tapes. I bought I bought a lot of CDs. 
But now we don't listen to it. Now we just have streaming. And now like some DJ in the cloud just spins up music for me. I'm not even sure what I'm listening to, right? So it's like we're listening to all different types of music, all these different types of genres. Um, we're all on the internet onto different message boards and forums. We're reading different sub stacks, blogs, articles, things like that. You're here listening to me talking about some subject and somebody else is listening to someone else talk about some other subject. And so now our interests have become very diversified. Everything has been splintered into a million pieces, and we see this affecting society in a lot of ways. So, for example, you know, we used to have mega bands, rock bands that would sell out entire stadiums. Uh, I guess Taylor Swift is still doing that, but th that's kind of it, right? Like, we don't have this mega band anymore. Um, you know, I know uh, I'm, I'm coming from the action sports industry, like in the surf industry, and we used to have these mega surf brands, Quicksilver, Billabong, you might have heard of some of these. And these companies were mega big, and they had mega money, and they were able to pay the athletes a big salary. But now that industry has gotten broken up because now through the internet, now companies can spin up, they can do print on demand, and they can just launch a brand, sell it over the internet. And now th that's eaten into these big companies' monopolies. And now the surf industry is filled with hundreds of small brands, which is cool. It gives more opportunity. But the problem is now this wealth isn't being concentrated and no longer are these, these big contracts for these big surfers. So this is the way the world changes. All right, this is the way the world changes. So it is important to have a shared narrative, not when it's being used um, from, for sinister reasons against us. But going back to this, for example, so now, just like the printing press had come out 70 years before the church and the state really got threatened by the printing of the Bible, today we have the internet. And that allows us to go into these little niches of the market. And a lot of us have learned that it's the Fed that creates the problems. Ron Paul led the charge within the Fed. That's kind of what woke me up. And... All of a sudden, eyes are on the Fed now, the Federal Reserve. And what's this Fed policy? I mean, now we're all watching Jerome Powell come out and tell us what our fate is. Are, are they going to make money cheaper? Are they going to make money more expensive? And what will that do for my retirement account? And will I be able to buy a house next year? And like, we can see now that our hands are in, our, our, our lives are in the hands of these central bankers, these central planners. We can see that now. And at the same time, you can listen to people like me who give you alternative information and advice. And it's starting to break that monopoly. Again, Henry Ford said, if, if the people knew how the money system worked, well, today they do. Today there's hundreds, I mean, there's thousands, I don't know, millions of videos that explain to you how banking works and how, how printing money eats away at your inflation, debasing the currency eats away at inflation. We can see the societal impacts of this now after 50 years. We have the data, we have the charts. There's a website I like to go to all the time, WTF happened 1971. Like what happened in 1971 when we got off the gold standard, we started debasing the currency and printing lots of money. We can see through a series of charts now that it's not just destroyed our purchasing power, our earning power, our quality of life, but it's led to the obesity rate. It's led to the divorce rate. It's led to the unwed mother rate. It's, it's had all types of social implications, and we would have never seen that if it wasn't for the internet. But we also have something else, and that uh, I would throw out is, is Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin is also breaking that monopoly, right? So it's one thing to know about it. It's one thing to see it. It's one thing to, to understand it. But what can you do about it, right? Now, um, in a previous segment, I talked about, and I've talked about extensively, uh, the three attack vectors are control the food, control the people, control the energy, control the continent, control the money, control the world. Henry Kissinger told us that. And so we can see that those are the three attack vectors. They're attacking our food system. 
energy system and now the money. Now, if we learned, I talked about diet earlier. If, if, uh, if, if all I ate was real food, I wouldn't have to worry about all the diet stuff I told you. But what if they take away our real food? Then I don't have an option. Today we do, but what if we don't? But what about the money? Well, in Lebanon or Turkey or Venezuela, they could choose to not use that local currency and they could use the dollars instead. But what about if you're already using the dollar? Then what? You see, people want to look at um, the rate of change and how all of these currencies have lost value to the dollar. Oh, look at the dollar. It's still so strong. You look at the Dixie index, right? But if you look at the dollar compared to the S&P 500 or to gold or to oil or to Bitcoin or to real estate, you can see it's a whole different story. The dollar is crashing just as hard as those other currencies are. It's just not crashing against other currencies. It's crashing against real things. We see Bitcoin gives us this safety net. It gives us a better term would be like a lifeboat, right? We're on a sinking ship. The dollar is sinking slower than the other currencies. And so you could jump from one boat to the next sinking boat if it's still going to be up for a while. But eventually that boat is going down as well. So rather than jumping from one sinking boat to the next sinking boat to the next sinking boat, what you'd want to do is get to a boat that gets you away from all of that and it's not sinking. Now, it might be a small boat. And that small lifeboat might take a long time before it gets picked up by another boat or before it hits landfall or whatever that may be. But at least it's not sinking. At least it gives you a foundation that you can build your life on as opposed to just another sinking ship. And that's sort of an analogy for where the dollar is, right? The dollar is sinking slower than the other boats, slower than the currencies around it. But we have a safety boat. We have a lifeboat that we can jump into. More importantly, it's allowing us to see the world differently, right? Now we can start to see that we don't have to use government money. We do have other options that we didn't have before. And just by changing our viewpoint, we can understand that. Now, at this point, the, the central planners, the Federal Reserve still have enormous power. And like I said earlier, we're, we're all looking towards Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve, to see what he's going to do to affect our lives. Something I've been talking about a lot is uh, for the last couple of years, they've been in what's called quantitative tightening, where they're tightening or they're making money more expensive. So they're tightening the monetary system. When they tighten the monetary system, it contracts. It tight, it's tightened. And now we've all been talking about the, the pivot, the eventual Fed pivot that's coming. I believe it's coming much sooner than most people think. And what is that going to do to markets? If you'd like to know what the Fed U-turn is going to do and how you can seize the upside of this Fed's U-turn, this year, and then you can sidestep all the market volatility that's going to happen. Uh, join me live next week. Go.onemarkmoss.com slash U-turn. Go.onemarkmoss.com slash U-turn. I got about like 35 charts. I'm going to show you all the data. I'll show you what I'm doing, the assets I like, the markets I'm moving into, and how we can, you can, you and I can seize this upside, make a uh, Make lemonade out of the lemons. Sidestep the market volatility. Again, join me live. Go.onemarkmoss.com slash U-turn. If you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We've been talking about how history is rhyming right now and how we can look at the parallels of how the printing presses, the technology of the printing presses, broke the monopoly uh, over information from the church and state in the 1500s and how today the internet and Bitcoin is breaking the monopoly over information of the central planners we have today. That's what I got. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hit me up on social media. Let me know you're listening and what you like. And that's what I got. Thanks for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's brand new Season 2. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.